guys. It is another episode of Mystic Energy coming at you live on the Out of Collective Podcast Network. Uh, my name is Tori Anderson. You can find me at Tori Aelina on Instagram, and you can find my best friend and co-host Renee McCurdy at Renee McCurds on Instagram. Um, I feel like you guys know the drill at this point. If you're tuning in for the first time, welcome to the show. Uh, it's the middle of summer, and I gotta say, it is a hot girl summer. I think I am more of a lukewarm summer girl, but we're doing our best out here. Like 30 degrees is just a little bit too much for me, but hey, at least we're doing a lot of mountain biking. Um, this week's episode kind of made me jealous of my old life pre-COVID because I was doing back-to-back -back winters between here and New Zealand. And I did basically five years of back-to-back -back winters, kind of avoiding this heat. And today we got to interview Lily Bradley, who was a rookie on the Freeride World Tour this year. And she's currently living in Wanaka, New Zealand, which is where I used to live. So it's a good little flashback to the past, um, hearing how it's been down there for her. She's skiing at Treble Cone, which is one of my favorite resorts. And, you know, outside of kind of reminiscing on living in New Zealand, we talked about a lot of really important topics today, one of them being mental health in the outdoors and kind of overcoming mental health challenges to really uh, pursue something that you're passionate about, how difficult that is, um, what it's like living in a mountain town where there seems a lot of pee, there seems to be a lot of people kind of dealing with Peter Pan syndrome, like they don't want to grow up, they don't want to feel their feelings and how adrenaline sports can be a contributor to that. We also talk about uh, non-binary inclusion and uh, trans people inclusion in the outdoors, uh, just making it more of a queer friendly space. and. The, the big one, honestly, was what happened with Lillian's story is super inspirational, and it was awesome sitting down chatting with her. Um, yeah, over a well-rounded episode, and there's a lot to get into here. Uh, before we get into the episode, I would just like to leave you if you're so kind, a dad joke, tell us we suck, it doesn't really matter, uh, whatever you feel like doing we would love to hear it on whatever whatever platform you're listening to uh and without further ado we're going to dip into an ad and then dip into the episode hope you're all having a great week our first sponsor for today's show is darn tough vermont they make merino wool socks these socks are lightweight they wick better than cotton and they really have socks for every activity they've got your winter skiing snowboarding socks as well as your summer activity socks. So lately I have been wearing the no-show merino sock for both trail running and a little bit hiking as well. Sometimes with hiking I prefer the mid-height just because you're going through kind of like the brush sock, but Darn Tough has both. I've tried both. They're really awesome. They have kept my feet dry, wicking away the moisture on some really hot days lately. So Darn Tough Vermont, go check out their website. They call them darn tough because they are tough. Go and grab yourself a pair and keep your feet happy and blister free and dry. Hi, um, my name is Lily Bradley. Um, I am a free skier and young, dumb 20 year old and fan of skiing and coffee, I would say. And Harry Styles. <laughs> and Harry Styles. And Harry Styles. <laughs> Huge fan of Harry Styles, yes. 
Avenger leopard gecko named Peaches. Uh, yeah, I am also the mother of a non-binary leopard gecko named Peaches. Um, actually, <laughs> they haven't chosen that for themselves. I did force that lifestyle on them. <laughs> That's so funny. Mom, stop trying to tell me how to live my life. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. The Republicans were right. I'm just like, yeah, feeding liberal propaganda down this lizard's throat. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This has been the most entertaining entry to a podcast I've had in a while. Um, <laughs> so like, okay, but what about skiing? Because you were a rookie on the Freeride World Tour this year, weren't you? Ah, uh, yes, that's, yeah, <laughs> that's why yeah. I'm probably here. Not my interest in hairstyles <laughs> and lizards. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was a rookie on the Freeride World Tour. Um, actually, I I don't know if I was technically the youngest one on tour last year. I think that I was because they like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that I was the youngest one on tour last year. Definitely not the youngest one ever. There's some young guns on there throughout the ages. Um, yeah, I qualified through the North American circuit through the, what is it, Region 2 North American. Um, and I qualified during COVID. So it was like, the, yeah, um, Canada and North America were totally separate entities and we were just off in our own bubble, having a good time. Um, How was that qualification circuit for you? Because you would have come, did you come straight out of juniors into the adult comps and then qualify right away? Yeah, um, actually the qualify, the, yeah, the qualifier circuit was like kind of, kind of insane crazy town I know it's pretty crazy town for a lot of people um I was basically like I was in school I was at UC Berkeley and the first semester was great having a great time meeting lots of new people but we were during COVID and I already have like you know some mental health issues like just like a little depression here and there keep it nice and spicy um but I just got like I don't know I decided to kind of cut skiing and outdoor sports out of my life because I was like, okay, this is your time for learning. You know, you've got this incredible opportunity. You're going to take it and you can just leave skiing behind for like four years. Um, so I kind of really didn't ski that much that year. And I just got like wickedly, wickedly depressed in school. Just like, yeah, I was like super underweight. I was just really like absolute crazy person. Actually, that's derogatory. I was just, yeah, I was not doing well. I was, yeah, um, really depressed. And my parents were basically like, hey, you know what would be fun and probably cheer you up a bit? Um, and they like, they paid some competition fees for me. And we're basically like, woohoo, let's go on a little road trip. I'm going to go on a road trip with my friends. going to kick this depression's ass. I'm going to, I'm going to make it, make it better for myself by doing things that are fun. Um, so I ended up just like kind of, yeah, fucking off from school for a sec and just to do the qualifiers and like focus on my mental health. Um, went on a bit of a mental health bender during that time. Cause I was like sleep depriving myself. I was like, technically on like a manic episode um so the qualifiers were like yeah it was I only did one season on the qualifiers um and I kind of qualified on accident because I would just went there to kick my depression and like meet new people and travel the country a bit but then accidentally you know because I had been competing since I was 12 I have a lot of experience 
in competition. Um, and like picking out lines is really natural for me. And just, you know, prepping for competitions and memorizing lines and, you know, lining stuff up is like really definitely like an instinct that I kind of didn't know that I had. So I ended up doing really, really well. Um, by the last, by the last competition, I was like just absolutely at the end of my emotional wits end, um, not doing well, called my parents and I was like, can't do it. I don't want to do it. I'm going to go home. It doesn't really matter. I wasn't trying to qualify for anything like, and then they're like, no, Lily, dude, like get online, like check the score. And so I like got online and I was like, what? Like I'm in first, no way. You know, that was like totally, totally a surprise. I didn't, I didn't even realize that I was just going there to have fun. Um, yeah. So anyways, stuck it through to the last competition. My parents were really nice. They ended up like booking me an Airbnb and flying my girlfriend to Utah so that I could like not be alone and have some emotional support, which was really sweet. Um, so yeah, I ended up finishing up the season really, really well and qualified for the Freeride World Tour, which was like, oh, wow okay like you know like life change life diversion let's just like do a quick 180 on every plan i've ever made because this is a really fun opportunity um so yeah basically just did like a little unexpected life switcheroo after a mental breakdown and decided to go on tour that's a wild come up story. It's like had a mental breakdown, manic episode, finished first, made it to the Freeride World Tour, and <laughs> how's your daddy? It's like the world comes around. <laughs> yeah, well, I like to keep it nice and spicy. <laughs> nice and spicy. That's yeah. like, I, um, I just found out I was autistic in uh, like October last year, and I was like, you know, my life's just a dumpster fire with a touch of the tism. <laughs> Which is a sprinkle of the tism. Yes, a sprinkle of the tism, and also some PTSD, anxiety, ADHD. You know, it's just like mm. a, it's a stir fry of constant chaos. I'm trying to mitigate, so I feel you on a deep level. That's why you're so interesting and have good conversation. It's just all the trauma sprinkled in. Until you back me into a corner and I don't know what to talk about, and then I end up talking about lizards for 20 minutes to somebody that I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's true. I left her to watch our bikes while I went to get the trucks and she came back and she's like, yeah, so uh, never met this guy before, but um, I just spoke to him about lizards for the whole time you were gone. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to recover from this. <laughs> I just like got up and left. No, you okay, just got to down. Go. <laughs> so good. Um, so like, I want to jump back to the Freeride World Tour, but first I want to touch on, just since we're in the topic of mental health, Renee's got her fair share too. We're just like double trouble in like the, you know, not neurotypical space. Um, what's it like, like, do you feel safe unmasking those struggles in the ski community or like in the competitive community? Did you find support or like how, how was that? Um, let me think. Uh... It was definitely a lot of like self-support. Um, I think, you know, just like being really supportive of myself. There was definitely a lot of people who were like also very helpful and giving like space and, you know, like some, sometimes in the morning on tour, I'm like, okay, you know, I'm going to just listen to my music and I'm going to sit alone and I'm going to journal until I don't feel 
like I want to go lie in a hole, you know? Um, and you know, like no one will be weird about that. And I'm just like, oh, it's just Lily, you know, doing her thing, keeping, keeping it up and, you know, keeping herself good. Um, I do think that there is a lot of neglect to mental health in the world of like adrenaline sports, just because I feel like that is a lot of people's therapy and, you know, actual therapy therapy doesn't often come into the picture. Um, you're just, you know, putting your body on the line and like feeling the highs of the lows of high level competition. Um, but I actually found that to be like a really conducive space for my mental health, which was pretty surprising. I was actually like really anxious about going on tour and just like breaking down again, you know, and going into a bad space or just having another breakdown you know, it's like huge amount of pressure. Um, it doesn't really matter. It's such a niche sport. No one watches it. Like not many people watch it, but you know, it feels like a lot of pressure. There's cameras everywhere and like all the elite athletes are getting paid hundred K a year. And you're like, why am I here? But um, yeah, I, I found it really conducive to my mental health because it was just like a very sink or swim. Like, okay, you have to be well, you have to care for yourself because you're going to be traveling alone in Europe for ages in a high pressure environment. Um, so I think that it actually really forced me to like take charge of my own mental health and, you know, pick up a lot of the practices that I've been trying to reintroduce or just trying to introduce into my life, you know, slowly like daily meditation and allowing myself to wear noise canceling headphones in a crowded space to like not be anxious all the time and drawing and journaling and crystal healing and like just like healthy practices that I you know it's really easy to let slip when you don't have this like thing telling you that like you need to be okay or this like internal push to be the best version of yourself that you can be so actually I found the community in the outdoor sports pretty facilitating for that and then just the environment I felt was like a really good space to just totally fuck off from society and just focus on being a healthy person. Yeah, I think it, you, you kind of mentioned too, like skiing itself can be a coping mechanism, but where you get in trouble is if that is your only, only coping mechanism. So, and I'm curious too, like, when you were doing those qualifiers, skiing seemed to be kind of working as the coping mechanism, but like obviously like that wasn't quite enough. So then you must have gone back and, and tapped back into a lot of these secondary, like you just listed a lot of different things that really help keep you on. I, I'm trying to think of like the word I want, but like emotionally regulated, I guess. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. A float, a float. Is that the word? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The world tour actually kind of like, it kind of gave me like a reason to care for myself. You know what I mean? Um, I kind of had this, like this thing, like I was at the most mentally and physically unwell I'd kind of ever been in my life. I was like, like 116 pounds, which I'm like five foot six, like, I was like, oh, I was very not healthy. How are you going to stomp cliffs in these conditions? You can't. Um, so basically just like, I don't know, it felt like over the summer, I had this like reason to start eating again and to start working out and to 
start like building practices that would keep my mental health safe while I was, you know, putting myself, putting my brain through a lot. Um, I forgot. I don't know what, I don't remember what your question was, but yeah, that's my, my ramble. I don't know if I like really did formulate a good question there, to be honest. I, I think it was more a statement. It was a bit of a statement. Oh no. I anyway, I, and also kudos to you for like really taking the initiative and getting whatever help you need and figuring out what works for you to some degree where then you can step away and say, okay, nope, putting my headphones on, I'm going to journal, I'm going to draw, I'm going to just get myself sorted so that I can face this day and do what's asked of me and do it well, you know? So that's oh, also not a question, but like, great job. <laughs> I thank you. I'm really proud of myself. It's hard. It's hard to care for yourself out here, man. <laughs> You should be fucking proud of yourself. Sorry, I didn't mean to add the fucking there. That came off more aggressive. But you should be fucking proud of yourself. <laughs> like, I, I don't think a lot of people understand how hard it is to pick yourself up when you're in that space. And like, yeah, I don't know. Finding, finding out I was autistic and I was in like a deep period of autistic burnout. I remember I needed to find a new psychologist and they were like, what's wrong? And I was like, I can't do anything. I can't get up. I can't eat. I can't shower. Like I can't go to meetings. I had to like quit my job, like get eye grades in all my classes. I couldn't record podcast episodes. Like everything was too much. Talking was too much. If I made any mistakes, I would have a meltdown. It was just like, like, and a lot of people infantilize either mentally ill or disabled people. And they're just like, Oh, like, you know, like, you need help or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, like the fact that I was there, I picked myself up, I found purpose, I like did research, coping mechanisms, and I got to where I am right now. Like I've moved through that it makes me way stronger than you. It's like, mm -hmm. it's not easy. There's so many no, challenges yeah. there and barriers and that needs to be recognized 120%. So yeah. yeah, it is. It's I, I I feel like, yeah, being proud of yourself is like, for me, that's like the root of good mental health is just constantly being proud of like everything you're doing. But it yeah. is like, you know, having like, yeah, something like that, where you just like, you know, you go into a pit and you can't get out of the pit. Then when you finally do get out and it's like, you don't just get out, you like you claw and you scratch and you dig and you like bite your way out, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah, I think it's something to be proud of. It's, it's hard and it, it makes you into a stronger person, but it's, yeah, it's, it doesn't just happen. You have to put in a lot of work to usually get through that kind of stuff. You do big time. It's like, yeah. And it's, it's not linear either. It's natural to like slip back into things and have a setback and then have to like pull yourself up again. And um, yeah, I, I think it's also important, like, and it's so hard to manage all the time, but something I'm working on is like not judging myself if I have a bad day. Mm, yeah yeah I'm not quite there yet I want to just be linear all the time just keep growing forever and ever <laughs> <laughs> no that's my goal too but not judging myself has helped me not slip down as deep yeah if that makes sense yeah you gotta but ride the wave the ups and the downs unfortunately mental health baby just like serpent like hit the lip like whoop that it's like shabam and that's pretty much mental health <laughs> drop down <laughs> smack the lip whoop that yeah <laughs> yeah that is <laughs> you get totally tinted it was like, <laughs> You're like yes 
It is really interesting though, like hearing actually the story of how you qualified for the Free World Tour is really unique compared to other people that I've met and and people that I've talked to that have competed at that level. So it is it's definitely a a cool story of like how you got where you were because it really shows a little bit of how difficult it is, not just the skiing itself, but also just mentally how you put yourself in those situations and you get through them. And I had no idea. And I just want to have you on because I think that your style skiing is pretty sweet and you were a rookie on the free ride world tour. So I'm like, well, this chick can probably like tell us a thing or two about her life. I don't know. (laughs) And then here we are having this like actual quite deep conversation that I think will speak to a lot more people than you even realize, because like you said, that, skiing and especially like big mountain skiing the adrenaline aspect of it really does cover up a lot of mental health that people do or do not want to acknowledge and I've felt that way for a long time but yeah Yeah, it's such a common coping mechanism I feel like for so many people like just you don't you know you don't seek out mental health help because you have the mountains and the nature and then like one day the mountains and the nature aren't there and you're like, oh no, like I don't have any coping mechanisms to be a human being and live through everyday human life anymore. You're saying mountains and nature and I'm like, ah, I feel like people just send and drink beer, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> like I saw this meme, it was like, oh, you want to go camping? You mean do a bunch of drugs in the woods? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That's how most people do camping for sure. But um, okay, question mental health and the outdoors do you think there's a correlation there to like pushing through not talking about feelings not dealing with it um to it being like a hyper masculine patriarchal space yeah um absolutely um i do think i do think that it's changing a little bit i think that a lot more people nowadays are getting into the world of like mental health consciousness in the sports community but i do think that 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 might even have to do with like like the demasculinization of skiing, you know, and like uprooting all the like the patriarchal constructs that kind of drive this sport, you know what I mean? Um, but I, I do feel, yeah, that is, you're very smart. That's a very good connection. Um, yeah, I feel like if, you know, in skiing, you grow up with all this like internalized misogyny, or at least, at least I did, where, you know, the only reason, or the only way to feel validated is to like, to put yourself um, in the same space as people are kind of holding you down, you know, like as a kid, you don't realize you're doing it, but you're like, but I was like, oh, I want to be tough. I don't want to be hard. And I want to be like, kind of, I want to be masculine, you know, and I want to, to be masculine means to, to not share things and to not show fear and to always be confident in myself, even if I'm not confident and being masculine means to, kind of put other people down around you, you know, like in order to feel powerful. Like as a kid, like I remember I would always buy men's uh, like outdoor wear. I hated wearing anything with a women's fit. And I didn't do slut strands for the longest time because I wanted people to like see me skiing down the hill. And, you know, if I was good enough, they would think I was a boy. You know, that that's what means that I made it is if I could look and act and like be as part of the masculine. But um, I do think that, yeah, that just like that whole culture really does just push away 
mental health and self-care and, you know, just talking with your friends about what, what kind of stuff you're going through right at the moment. Um, I do think that that's changing and a lot more people are elevating themselves and, you know, now that mental health is a little bit less stigmatized, that there's a lot more room for people to seek out help outside of just, you know, going and doing sports to feel okay. But yeah, I do think that like the, the, uh, the, in like just the root, the huge giant root of the patriarchy that is inside of skiing, definitely. It's not conducive to, yeah, good mental health and yeah, that kind of stuff. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we've had other podcast episodes where we've kind of like dipped into this a little bit, but um, I, I think the most important thing to recognize is that anytime you have like culture or like norms or structure, it's usually impacted by some type of institution. And an institution would be like, it can be like a formal one, like education, XYZ, but something that shapes pop culture and understanding. And you can see that reflected in microcultures too. So like the concept of like mountain culture, who created that white men. It's like, what's acceptable in that space? What does it mean to be outside? You have to be tough. You have to be rugged. You have to be able to like, you know, survive and like, thrive out there and don't complain, like don't talk about your problems. And I think it's funny because anytime I've gone into like the woods for like five days with a bunch of girlfriends, we all end up getting really weird and emotionally vomiting all over each other. So I'm like, what dimension? <laughs> like, what are you guys doing out there? Are you guys just like, like iguana wrestling or like, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because <laughs> um, it's such a weird space, but it's like, who decided the culture? What's normative? And I know so many guys, like it's kind of that Peter Pan syndrome, I guess, like boys in the ski industry or in ski towns don't really want to grow up. They don't want to face mm -hmm. life. They don't want to face their feelings. It's just like, just keep skiing, living the dream and put it behind you. But like you said, I think it's changing. And I honestly think that the collective trauma of the pandemic has shifted perspectives on mental health because it shows everybody that you're only like one traumatic experience away from slipping into a bad mental health state. Um, and a lot of people kind of tangoed with the darkness in a way through the pandemic. <laughs> a, good, a good old tango with the darkness. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, for sure. It really, everyone just had to like sit in a, a room alone with themselves for months and just be like, hmm, what things make me feel not okay? And just, yeah, just be alone forever. I do think that definitely yeah. changed things. Well, but I, yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Oh, um, I was just going to say, like, yeah, there's like the Peter Pan syndrome with men. And like, I feel like people think that like, in order to be a part of the, the outdoor sports world, you need to not care about, you know, society's expectations for like career and like, growing up and all that stuff. And which I do think is, you know, kind of true, you have to like, kind of embrace the dissonance of just fucking off from capitalism to explore what makes you happy. But I do think that there's like um, that you can, you know, you can still grow as you can become more of an adult while embracing that dissonance and like, be, yeah, just, yeah, I'm not making sense. Sorry. <laughs> no, that makes so much sense. <laughs> it makes so much sense. I mean, I totally did the ski bone thing when I finished my first degree and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this, with this degree. Like, what am I going to do? 
And then I went and worked on ski patrol and I would never have gone to nursing school if it wasn't for taking a few years off saying, you know what, I like to ski. So maybe I'll just do that for a little while working on ski patrol, meeting a bunch of nurses and paramedics and thinking, hmm, actually, I see them and I see their schedule and that's something that could work for me. And then somewhere along the line, I went back to school, started competing, X, Y, Z, here we are. And I might not ski as much anymore. I'm like total weekend warrior. But oh, shout out to the weekend warriors. I think you guys get a lot of shit, but you're very strong and I think you're very powerful <laughs> and you you deserve a place in this community. <laughs> Thank oh, you. Yeah. I mean, nine to five fit is not doing me any favors when I go out with people that go way more than me, but it's still, you're still getting out there. But um, the Peter Pan syndrome thing, like I almost didn't graduate high school. I was also like undiagnosed autistic and just like really surviving and not thriving. But I ended up taking seven years off of school and I traveled and did like a bunch of back to back ski seasons um, between here in New Zealand and Japan. And I was a Peter Pan kid for a long time. And then I just graduated university at 28 with a degree. And now all my friends have degrees and I feel really far behind them. But I've done so much more than so many different people. And I think capitalism teaches you there's one way. And capitalism is also very ableist as well mm, um, mm -hmm. it's like you have to fit the mold you have to do things this way xyz so like i guess the peter pan syndrome comment about boys in ski towns wasn't so much the the lifestyle that they've chosen but more the the interpersonal relationships that they have and are avoiding and like also with getting to know themselves on a deeper level if that makes sense or being comfortable with themselves which hopefully the pandemic kind of i don't know people are Tangoing with the darkness, anyways. <laughs> Tangoing with the darkness. I, I just think yeah, my you just gotta cut things out of your life and then you'll be and then you can explore that world. Yeah. Being a Peter Pan girl made me discover my darkness. Cause I was like, wow, I'm doing all these things that I like, but I'm still not truly happy. What is going on here? <laughs> I think the power is like my... oh sorry, what were you gonna say? Oh, I was just going to say that the power is like being able to admit that to yourself. It's like, what is this feeling? Like, I'm going to like explore it a little bit more. Like, why is that there? Rather than just like pushing it down and just like continuing. Because that's kind of what the Peter Pan syndrome is in a way. Because like, I actually rewatched the Peter Pan. You know, like that real life one with the one kid who was like, when I was like young, I was like, oh my God, that Peter Pan's so hot. Oh, young hot Peter Pan? Yeah, yeah. One. Young hot Peter Pan. I rewatched it the other night. I was like, you know, it didn't slap quite as hard, but still like nostalgic. Um, but the whole concept is like, I don't want to grow up. I don't want to feel my feelings. That's literally the entire story line. And feeling your feelings means you're an adult. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. I'm definitely in the middle of my Peter Pan phase right now. I'm like just yeah, kind of finding myself and all that. But it it is definitely like I'm trying to just um grow towards like grow as a human being while recognizing that like my um my pro you know capitalism has taught me that my productivity determines my worth and my productivity does not determine my worth i determine my worth what makes me happy the things that i do like the connections i build with people the experiences i build for myself um the things you know helping other people um you know, I think, you know, you just have to like try and find how to 
yeah, how to grow into a well-developed person without neglecting all of the parts of yourself um, that you need to like be happy, you know? We'd also like to thank Mirror Energy for sponsoring today's show. So Mirror is 100% real food, energy gels, and they have four or five ingredients in each one. And they're all things that you would recognize, organic, vegan, paleo, gluten-free, non-GMO ingredients, 100% good food in here. They're part of 1% for the planet. Love to see it. I've been using these while mountain biking, while trail running lately. I would say my favorite flavors are the strawberry fast burning and the cashew lemon slow burning. Just depends if I need a quick hit or if I want something that's going to be a little bit longer lasting for a bigger day. There's something for everyone. If you need caffeine, if you don't need caffeine, they've got it. Mirror Energy, spelled M-U-I-R. Go check them out. Is it Thursday? I think it's Thursday. It's actually Friday for me, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, I just oh, yeah. woke up. Totally. Oh, oh, yeah, because you're in, in Wanaka. Let's oh, sick. talk about that. I want to talk about how sick your ski style is. Yeah, you've mentioned that. Renee's got a crush. Let's dive into this. I do. We got to dip into I it. do, because I love a good shifty, and it just so happens that Lily is the queen of shifties, and that is why <laughs> I love Lily's ski style. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, I think it's called the uh, the have fun and do what you want style. Um, <laughs> I think I think it's pretty funny. Like the announcers will be like, you're know, like, oh, the new school, you know, the new school style. Which I don't I don't know what is the new school style. I think it's just like all the kids nowadays are having lots of fun and you know. Yeah, Paging Foose, yeah. who trains all of the new school kids himself. What is new school style? We want a definition. <laughs> yeah, at Derek Foose, please define the new school style. <laughs> True. Okay. Just um, wanted to put that in there. I actually have a lot of questions. They're just like all unrelated to everything. Um, you mentioned that you're going to UC Berkeley. What are you studying? Because you never said what you were studying. And I was curious. Oh, yeah. I went in with uh, biology and then I did a year of that. And I was like, I have one of those like, oh no, I got to give back to the world to like be happy. I can't just like focus on myself and make money kind of realizations. And then I, I've since changed to social welfare and I just want to, you know, get, get on the train with everyone who's trying to make skiing more accessible to low income and minority like communities. That's definitely the end goal for sure. Hell yeah. So is that like social, social work or um, I technically, yeah, I could go into, uh, I could go into the social work field. I don't think that my mental health could take the burden of that. Um, I would just internalize everyone else's struggles as my own and burn out pretty quickly, I think. But it is like, I don't know, it's just kind of an umbrella. I'm just setting myself up to work and do some good and, you know, work at any nonprofit that I want to work at or, you know, just try and bridge my education with my interests, which is skiing and trying to use my platform to incite a little bit of good. I love that. That is very wholesome. Definitely love that. Thank you. Uh, so I, was <laughs> I, yeah. I was like, what are you actually studying? Because you're young, so you have lots of time to figure out what it is that you want to do with that degree. And But 
Um, right now you're on summer break and you are in Wanaka, New Zealand, which is a place that Tori and I have both been to, Tori more than me because she used to live there. Um, and the skiing in New Zealand is actually freaking sick. Uh, I definitely want to hype that up because if you've not been there, it is way better than you think it is. Yeah. And Monica it's, is a really cool town and the people are really nice. And uh, yeah. How are you enjoying Wanaka? Underwhelming description of Wanaka, Renee. <laughs> <laughs> I know you didn't mention you didn't mention the Kia, the mountain parrots, the giant chickens who will try to take the windshield wipers off of your car. You didn't, they'll come for your pie. You got to be careful of them. Okay, this um, is like a really mean like comparison of your description there, but it was kind of like Donald Donald Trump style. It was like Wanaka is the best ever. The people are great. The city is good. Do you? Ever call me Donald Trump again? I'm sorry. It's not Donald Trump. It's just his like enunciate. What's it fucking called? It's like your your cadence. I know. I can't believe you guys are like even allowed to say that word on this show. That's kind of surprising to me. Donald Rump. Donald Rump. Yeah, the Donald big rumpus. The Donald orange Rump. man. Yeah, the devil man. Gigantic. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, we, well, not, I was gonna say gigantic butt plug, but I'm not allowed to use butt plug as an insult. As I've told no. Tori many times before, <laughs> there are a lot of humans in this world that actually like butt plugs and get great pleasure from them. And I do not like to associate things that do not incite pleasure, such as Donald Trump, with that's things fair. that people actually can get pleasure from. Uh, that's all I'm saying. She always yeah, yeah, like, some people like those. <laughs> Yeah, the giant dumpster fire. No one likes those. The giant dumpster fire. The giant splinter the in giant, my finger. Uh, you know, white supremacist dumpster fire. Just yeah. one of those, you know. Just uh. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah. Uh, enough about are American. So, shout out what? to you. This most of the listeners are American, so it's like shout out to you. <laughs> what if, this I is mean, what if, Canadians think about you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, what do you think about us? Because we're not doing well right now, man. We are not doing well. In America? Oh, yeah. It's a. Uh, yep. Oh, I'm going to America in a few days. And I was literally like, you know, I really don't think I'm pregnant, but like, should I take a pregnancy test before just in case? <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. Okay. This is like, yeah, probably shouldn't share this, but I'm going to. Right when I was like leaving, like my period was like a week late and it was like kind of too early to like take a pregnancy test. And I was like, oh God, oh no, oh God, oh no, what do I do? Like this is this is the most anxious I've ever been in my whole life. I can't sleep at night. And then I like was like, well, wait a minute. If I'm pregnant, I'm going to the best place for a free abortion. Whoop woo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, maybe don't go to the U.S. for that right now. That's not, we're not set up for that at the moment. Sorry. Yeah, that just is wild. It really just blows my mind that it could go that far backwards. And here I thought it would be better with Biden, but. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know enough about politics to know if he has anything to do with that stuff, but. Not really. I don't think, like, not as much as hopefully well, i don't fucking know i just know that it's like you said it's the category 11 dumpster fire and my heart goes out to all people that are affected by it the yeah. abortion crisis because important to note that pregnancy is not only something that women experience so yeah yeah, yeah. Anyone can get pregnant. yeah it's yeah it's i feel like people are like 
you know, you like kind of joke about it when you're like, or I, not at least I've been, you know, people kind of like joke about it when you're traveling abroad. They're like, oh, America, you guys are not doing so well. And you're like, yeah, we're not. And it's like, actually, there's a huge pit in my stomach every second of every day. And also like everyone has this extreme, like crushing anxiety about, you know, how this like affects every single human being that is going to come through our system in the next 50 years. And, you know, oh, it's actually really scary. And it's like kind of changed thousands of people's lives and already murdered people. It's like a huge deal, you know, but yeah, enough on, enough on that. Shit's yeah. not casual. Do you want to know? Absolutely. It incites fear up here too, because we're like, I just really hope this doesn't happen here. <laughs> with our, yeah. with the way that our, uh, like legislative system is designed, it, it like will not happen here. Or like it couldn't happen here. But it is shifting perspectives up here because people like cling on to those ideologies, right? Um, Let go of them. You don't need them, sis. The U.S. does not have any ideologies that you want any part of. We are just consuming and that's pretty much, that's it. That's all we do. Oh, I know. It's wild. It's honestly like uh, the, the one thing that gives me compassion in these situations is understanding that nobody is just inherently bad. They are taught that. And that makes me more mad at institutions, not the individual. But it's mm -hmm. like, I don't think institutionalized anything is as innocent. It's not like mistaken. Like there is there is a drive there. There's usually like if you go back and analyze like anything that happened to like indigenous peoples, like there was there was a reason that legislative measure was put in. There's a reason the residential schools were created. Like there's a reason that indigenous women were taken away and like completely uh, ostracized to make it no longer a matriarchy, but turn it into a patriarchy because they threatened the patriarchy. So everything is systemic in that sense. But everyday mm -hmm. people are victims of the system. And that's how mm -hmm. I see it. I don't think they are inherently bad. I think they are misguided and I think they have biases that they don't completely understand, which helps give me compassion towards them. But at the same time, I'm like, eat shit, Supreme Court. Uh -huh. <laughs> Hope you guzzle yeah. it for breakfast. Um, <laughs> anyways, do you want to know what country's dope? Wanaka or New Zealand? New Zealand? Yeah. <laughs> back to, yeah, back to New Zealand. That's sorry. what we were talking about. Yes. And like, Tori told me that I gave a bad description and it really probably wasn't the best description. And then she told me I sounded like Donald Trump and then we derailed heavily. Wanaka, yeah, New Zealand. Yeah, I don't know Wanaka. If we sprinkled like a little extra ADHD in our coffee today, but it's thriving right now. Um, we, Wanaka is freaking rad. I always tell people when they ask me about living in New Zealand that New Zealand is like Canada, like the different landscapes, lakes, the mountains, the forests, like kind of crammed into the size of Vancouver Island. <laughs> yeah, so, that's pretty accurate. Right? It's so sick. And Wanaka is just like this perfect little space. Like it never snows in town, but it like dumps up top. So like you can mm -hmm. go skiing and then go skateboarding after work. You can go like rock climbing in the springtime, like mountain biking there's like local mountain biking places you're three hours from the west coast if you want to go surfing there's like tons of clubbies around and kiwis are just like a really wild group of people like they send so hard in hard packed conditions it is terrifying yeah it's always hard packed here for sure one because it's like honestly it's like it's definitely like little like outdoor people kind of heaven it's definitely it's everyone's just like shaka bra like very like yeah. um, just kind of fucked off from capitalism to explore their own 
their own interests, which is definitely my favorite vibe to have in a community is just mountain. And, you know, like, I think every mountain town has its own uh, issues. You know, they're mostly pretty white spaces and there's no queer people. And everyone is like, not super involved in trying to change any big systems, you know, just because they've kind of just totally embraced not being a part of a society. But you can't just like, you can't just not be a part of a society, you know, you kind of have to like unpack all of the things that, that that's all the all the harmful things that that society has taught you and like actively trying to make spaces that um, kind of go against, I don't know, that kind of rectify that system, which I don't think a lot of outdoor towns do very well. Um, that's the one thing that I do enjoy living in the city um, is that, you know, I keep coming to all these like small mountain towns and I'm like, woohoo, all of these people are just like me. We have all the same interests. This is so fun. I have people to ski with all the time. I can go mountain biking. I can just thrash. This is awesome here. And then, and then, and then you hop on gay Tinder and there's no one there. It's just a ghost town. Like there is not a single woman within a 50 mile radius. Um, <laughs> so it's definitely, it's like, it's definitely small towns or a double-edged sword. Um, you know, you get, it's like, it's hard. You can't, if you're like into, if you know, you're for a woman and a queer person, it's not, it's not always a safe and conducive place to live. It doesn't always have the communities that are going to help you grow as a person. So it, it definitely, I, I haven't found the line yet between, or just, I haven't found the perfect place that has both like a drag club and a mountain, you know, I know it's out there and I will find it, but it is, it is hard traveling to all these places and just never, never really feeling like I'm the, I'm the right kind of person to be there, you know, like just always outside of the demographic. I'm sorry that you feel like that in those places. It's a, uh, I hope it's something that can change. I think, like you said, there is like a really big, like, uh, almost, I, I don't know if, I mean, the patriarchy is a colonial concept, they're BFF. So I want to call it decolonization. But unfortunately, the outdoors are so colonized, because of the concept of like mountain culture and like, objective focused things. And like, all those things are kind of interlocked as perspectives on what's happening out there. But there is a lot more attention on creating an inclusive space for queer people in the outdoors and for uh, trans people and making it somewhere where people feel seen, respected, valued, and just represented in their communities. Because I don't think people that just naturally belong don't know what that feels like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So sure. it, it is starting to change, but it's just like, how long is it going to take to change? That's kind of part of the problem. Yeah, absolutely. Like all I, yeah, all you can do is just surround yourself with people with similar values um, to you, but it's, yeah, it's, but you it know is what? a changing world. You're like, how old are you again? I'm 20. 20. Cool. We're almost, I'm old. Fuck. I'm almost 30. Renee's almost 32. <laughs> oh, I cannot I wait to be 30. <laughs> <laughs> 30, flirty and thriving. Okay. So what I'm like, the thirties will be my my like get her done years but um I was just thinking that like people like yourself like you've been so candid about what you've struggled with with mental health and like being on the free edward tour being like a public figure in that space being openly queer yourself in the space like even though 
you might not feel that you belong at all times, being unapologetically yourself, even though you might not feel that you fit in, you're going to have a positive influence on a younger generation, a younger people that see that and they're like, there is space for me here. There can be space for me here. That's like, honestly, being who you are in spaces that are not made for you is one of the biggest fuck yous you can give to the system. Oh, thank you. I, I totally agree. Just like a radical, like radical self-acceptance is kind of like what it feels like where you just, yeah, that's, that, that is definitely the goal is like, it's such a niche little sport and it doesn't have that many people who like actually, you know, watch it and follow it. But I wish that when I was like a 12 year old girl, that there was, you know, some famous, like I'm not famous, but like, you know, some super good uh skier who is queer and a woman that would have helped me out a lot you know that would have made me feel a lot less like i needed to conform to any kind of space or expectation a hundred percent that's like one of the biggest reasons that i wanted to start womb tank was for that exact reason is never feeling like i belonged and then flash forward and i was like oh just kidding my autistic ass is just different and that's why i felt like an alien my whole life but i'm really stoked that we're trying to create a place for people where they don't feel like they have to fit a mold. Um, because that like hyper-masculine aspect of the outdoors, uh, and I'm saying outdoors because it's not just ski culture where it's a problem. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. Um, but like it does like try to shape you and mold you and take away the things that you like. Like as an adult, now that I'm like unmasking, I'm like, you know what? No, I do identify as non-binary because some days I don't feel feminine. And then other days I do feel feminine. And I was taught that femininity is bad in certain spaces because it's not normative. And I was told wearing pink is bad. I was told flowers are bad. And I was like, you know what? I like flowers. I like pink, but I also like flames and skulls. And I like not wearing makeup. And I love being a dirt bag and wearing skate shoes and like baggy clothing and like looking like a boy at school and nobody knows who I am. Like I am totally okay with that. And it's like, like, fuck you for trying to tell me that I should be one way or the other. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, growing up, yeah, for sure. Like, growing up in the outdoor, like, community, you're just, like, constantly taught to repress femininity, you know? And, like, being masculine is to be strong. And that's just, like, such bullshit that I've been trying to unlearn. It's hard to unlearn because, like, when you're constantly comparing yourself to this, like, group of people who are going to be physically better than you at a sport, you know, you want to prove yourself and you, like, I don't know, it's like ingrained in me that the only way to prove myself is to be masculine and to ski masculinely. But I'm trying to unlearn that and just, you know, I think the more women that you surround yourself and you're like in your little bubble of outdoor people, the easier it gets to just be authentic um, with like what actually motivates you. And I've definitely been trying to like reintroduce femininity back into my life because I really hardcore rejected it as a kid, just went like full like that didn't I don't even think like I was really wanted to be a tomboy that bad but it was just like the only place that I could find power was by you know conforming to the like the masculine strength the idea of masculine strength and so now I'm like oh I'm just like trying to reintroduce femininity and you know so I started wearing skirts again it's very exciting I own lingerie um I do my makeup now I've learned how to do really sick like winged eyeliner and that's like a very powerful line between masculine and feminine it has no gender it's just emo hotness so I think yeah just like reintroducing femininity in little ways into your life can be really empowering for sure if you grew up with that kind of mentality Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. do you want to know what I recently rediscovered that's a mix of both worlds, squirts. 
You look Ooh. cute sometimes, but you are set up to do stunts if you feel like it. But you're set up to do stuff. I like doing my favorite skirt over some jeans, like Juno style. And then you're just kind of like early 2000s punk rock realness. I think that's a fun, that's a fun feeling as well. Yeah. Okay. Bringing up Juno, talk about like visibility of like trans people, like Ellen Page coming out is now Elliot and how much that's been embraced. Like that's fucking huge too. Cause we all grew up on Juno. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely like the outdoor world is way behind on trans inclusion. That's just like, Preach. I think that's going to be a huge persistent issue. Um, you know, I know that like, like there's, you know, some non-binary people in the qualifier circuit. Yeah. You guys interviewed Hank. You guys have met Hank and like, just this yeah. absolute conundrum of like, how, where do you fall into, where do you fall? What category do you fall into when you're not a part of this, like when you're not a part of a category, but it's, yeah, it's just like such a crazy political or yeah, politicized issue that it's, yeah, I don't know, the outdoor, the outdoor world is really behind on trans inclusion for sure. Mm -hmm. just sports Hank is great. Love Hank. That's an awesome interview. And we, we talked about, um, Hank does some pole dancing in his project that he put out and I freaking love the pole dancing and skiing combo. And kind of like you're saying, like there's no drag shows in mountain towns. I, drag shows are amazing. I love me some RuPaul's. <laughs> like, RuPaul's is great. And that kind of thing is like, doesn't have a place in mountain towns. It should. But yeah, absolutely. And I think that like people, you know, people like like Hank and like me and like P Hank's partner Dallas are like, they're just going out of their way to like create their own damn fucking queer space in a mountain town. You mm -hmm. know, like if the space doesn't exist, you know, you just find a bunch of friends who you want to start a commune with and maybe you do that. Like there's I don't know, there are solutions out there. But um, definitely, I don't know, sports in general are really, really lacking on resources for queer people and trans people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's a good point that you bring up with the qualifying circuit is like you're a skier or a snowboarder and you're male or you're female. It is very binary in how it's set up. And I know someone who has done some of these competitions, like even just the way that they've supported female athletes or not supported female athletes, or even just like, I feel like this is like a whole separate thing that we could go so far down on. And I honestly think there is a whole episode worth of chat about is female snowboarding and how that has just gotten the shit end of the stick for quite a long time in the qualifiers. But oh God, yeah. that's like a segue. My point is how binary it is. And then even being at the free ride world tour level, like I'm sure you've probably seen things and I don't know if that's something that you can speak to or cannot because of being on the Fred world tour, but it is a totally binary space and there are different levels of support. It seems like for the athletes in different categories, that's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you mean there's more support for the male athletes? Cause that's who makes the money quote unquote. That's who yeah. gets the views quote unquote. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, dude, female um, female snowboarders like really got the short end of the stick. Like the like, if you go through the live feed and you look at the like the hate comments, just like towards just snowboard women, it is insane. It, it is 
just ridiculously like aggressive for just like people enjoying riding on the hill and like these the those women are so so rad and they get like just so much online hate because their bodies aren't like set up in the way that men are and like are we're socialized to like not progress as fast at sports like it's yeah it's pretty 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 rough out there for the snowboard women yeah I agree that's like a whole episode I would love to have any snowboard women that are listening right now I would love to have you on to really delve into this from beginning to end of where that issue starts and it where would, it could get better. It would actually be so sick to have like a panel where we really dive into it. It's like multiple different perspectives of women who are in like freestyle, free ride, like, you know, border cross. Like, what is the whole system look like? What are the problems? As skiers, I feel like we're aware of it, but I don't know if I really understand the depth of it. Yeah, I I'm not a minority in the in the snowboarder sense. I am a queer woman, but yeah, I don't I don't fill that box. I I can't answer your questions about that. I can only answer questions about queer and feminine space on the tour. That's okay. Yeah. And did you feel like the tour did have a good place to support that? Um, I mean, it wasn't you know ingrained in the system. Every I'd say there was like probably. There's not a single out man on the tour, which I was honestly surprised. I'm not going to lie. I did like hop on Grinder at night a couple times and I'm like, I know you're here. Like, I'm going to find you. I would never <laughs> tell anyone, but I was going to, I was going to find them. I really, I wanted to know who it was because I know that statistically they're there, um, but they're, no one's out. Um, so I know that there's a couple women on the tour that are out. Uh, Elizabeth Garrison, like she is just, you guys would absolutely like hit it off with her. Just like, oh, she's so intelligent. Rad. Yeah, just yeah. like the queerest commiest, or actually, no, she's an anarchist, not a commie. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> no, like, re, like, yeah, like she's like hardcore into like really. She's so intelligent. She's getting her law degree, um, super in anarchism, and just a really intelligent, uh, interesting human being. Um, there's definitely not like a queer space on the tour per se, but. I don't know there's good people and there's like a shared understanding of struggle and community within the queer you know within queer community that like no matter where you are and how masculine or straight an environment that you're in is it's easy it's easy to bond with other queer people and create your own space that's that is also wholesome to be able to have, whether it's like it within, and there should be a space within skiing that could be like that for you, but at least you have a community behind you outside of skiing that you can lean on. And I, as someone who is not queer, like can't speak to what that is or isn't like, but it's really awesome to be able to hear from folks who do identify with that community of where it exists and how, and just to help those of us who might not identify that way, support those resources or su support you guys and like try and do anything I can to make it feel like free ride or skiing in general is a more inclusive space. Oh yeah. Don't worry. Allies are going to be allowed on the queer commune when we get that going. <laughs> you guys, you guys are totally welcome to the queer skier commune. Sick. We can sit with them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm down. I'm okay. down. I mean like rainbow yeah. looks great on me. <laughs> <laughs> um okay i think that we do have to wrap it up today unfortunately but um lily do you just want to like 
this is kind of your your chance to do a final plug if there's any like sponsors you want to list like maybe let people know where to find you if you want to shout out to your mom i don't oh. know your your gecko harry styles who knows maybe this will get to him so <laughs> yeah, yeah maybe, kind of shy. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, the gecko oh, is not a him Corey. <laughs> don't no, use the wrong dude. pronouns they're gender non conforming. You can use any any okay any, like, pronouns you want okay. for my for my gecko. All are welcome. Glad um, we clarified. <laughs> shout out to my non binary gecko, Peaches. You are the love of my life. Um, <laughs> shout out to my grandfather, Coach, for just like being the best support, the best supportive grandparent um, anyone could ever ask for. Uh, and to my mom, my mom was incredible and also got me hooked on podcasts at like the youngest of ages, which I think was a great move for my mental health. So thank you, mom, for getting me on the podcast game. Um, sponsors, no, I don't know sponsors. I mean, Moment's pretty cool, but they're, they're just a ski sponsor. Um, I think I just like, I don't know, I'd like to end with be kind and patient with yourself. Um, push yourself, go jump off some cliffs, surround yourself with people who are going to support you. Um, and I hang out with more women. Just like, I think that's just good advice for anyone in general. Just like, yeah, find some more female friends. They'll build you into a better version of yourself eventually. I don't know. Be kind, be patient, have fun. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us and, and being so honest. And I, I know that in having these conversations, sometimes it might not seem like it when, like it when you're just within yourself having your experiences, but I know that talking about this stuff really does touch other people in ways that you never expect. So maybe someone will listen to this and and be affected in a positive way from anything that you've said and you sharing your own story of how you did start. And what did Tori call it? The the dark. What did you call the dark place? Oh, the, the, tango, the, the tango with darkness. Yeah, <laughs> going from tangoing with the darkness to doing really rad, huge shifties on the Fred World Tour, like a total fucking badass. So, sure. you know, <laughs> you can always foxtrot with danger. That's always an option. That feels Fox good too. Better than with... tangoing with <laughs> darkness. Foxtrot with danger. Oh my god, we should put that on a freaking uh a sticker. On a sticker. And uh, right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but also, on with, but on the front of the out. protect my nipples <laughs> shirt. <Sure. laughs> Wait, did you did you listen to that episode where we were talking about shredding nipples? Oh yeah. Well, dude, like after I got like my nipples pierced, I like I realized that I have to like put extra padding in my bra when I'm climbing, if I don't want to just cheese grater my nipples off at any given moment in time. So like, I'm a huge, like when I heard that, I was like, amen, like protect thy nipples, spread the good word sisters. <laughs> okay. This is like a sign that this is relatable Renee and we need to go to print ASAP on this t-shirt. Protect thy nipples just right across the front, like a small print on a clean white tee. Done. Sold. Yeah, absolutely. If there's a market, you could start a cult over it. Like this is there's there is the drive. There's the need. But here I am preaching. Like, yeah, things that you say might change someone's life. And then here I, am, like, <laughs> I cannot believe that people listen to this podcast. And then people will message me or come up to me and be like, "Oh my gosh!" Like I listened to this episode. And I'm like, you listened? I'm so touched. <laughs> We've gotten like way more loose with it too. It used to be so like you know, minimal swearing, like watching what we say. And now we're just like, 
you know, foxtrot with danger, shredding the nipples. And we just openly talked about butt plugs and why it should not be used as an insult on this episode. So the world goes around. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Lily. And when we make the nipple t-shirt, we're going to send you one (laughs) because protect my nipples. Okay. (laughs) I'll make you a nipple t-shirt. I'll got you. (laughs) Okay, sweet.